when you're trying to answer questions in marketing, you have to be thinking about what are the data models that I need to build in order to be able to answer that. And your CMO and your marketing leaders are probably not asking you for data models. They're asking you for answers to their questions. And as the operations leader and the analyst leader, you have to go back and say, well, where does this fit in either my existing data models or do I need to build something new? Because you can get all of these answers. We are identifying different ways that we can answer these questions without it taking the single model that, that maybe we have focused on so much around funnel tracking or something else. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. It's Charlie here, and I'm here, as always, with Chrissy and Xander, and again with another special guest, Alison, our Chief Architect and Analyst at CS2. So today, we're diving into should you track pre-sales ready stages? It's a question that comes up a lot with clients. It's very nuanced, as everything is, <laughs> I feel like, that we discuss in this podcast and that we do in our, in our day job. Um, so a lot to talk about. Um, so kicking it off, I'm going to get Chrissy to explain kind of how we got here. What is the history of tracking um, these pre-sales ready stages? What even are pre-sales ready stages and why do people want to track them? So it all started, no, <laughs> no, I, when I think about the, the funnel, I mean, you know, I started my career at Marketo, so like the images of like a funnel were just, you know, just all over our office, always something that was always staring at. And what we brought to the market at that time was just showing what does that funnel look like? And it always started with like, you have anonymous and then known and then engaged and then MQL and then, all, you know, kind of all the, all the way through. And a lot of other analysts or, you know, thought leaders of the market always kind of showed that that picture and, and that type of funnel. And so everyone kind of latched onto that and like, okay, that's how we need to track things. I think when, and we just looked at it as like one funnel. Okay, that's our funnel, you know. Um, but the the thing is there's, there's, you know, some flaw to that of what we're seeing. Like, that's not really the funnel, you know, like there are some pre-funnel stages or things that happen before technically when we say a funnel starts. Um, and because when you think about it, it's like if you think about things just net new and someone becomes, you know, new person in your database or new person that you're like tracking for the first time, yes, they'll maybe go into a known stage or an engaged stage if they gauge the first time. But once they go in, become an MQL, you know, they're not going to go back to any of those stages before because now they've already started what we think is the funnels, the fun, start, you know, starting the funnel at MQL. Because the thing is, you'll always, you know, you might have to go backward and start a funnel again. And you're not doing that at the engage stage again. You would likely then, you know, become recycled and then or sent to nurture, whatever you call it at your organization, and then become an MQL again. And so the way that we think about it is, there's, you know, these pre, these pre-sales ready stages are almost kind of like your pre-funnel stages. Um, and it's really important for kind of that first journey um, a lot of the time um, and for new business. And so I think one of the things that relates to why marketers are still really hung up on like tracking these as stages is one, because we've always been told to do that. But two is they've always been so focused on MQL generation. 
And how do I get, you know, how do I generate MQLs? Like they've always been tied to a number. And so they're always looking at, okay, what's our, you know, engaged or our, you know, lead like top of funnel conversion rate to MQL, because that's probably what they're, you know, basing their plans off of. That's how they were picking their campaigns back in the day. Like literally I would work with marketers and they would like have just a goal on MQLs. Well, now we know that things have kind of changed since then. Marketers a bit more focused on pipeline. And they are still focused on MQLs or sales ready leads, but I think it's not just that initial, like, how do I actually generate MQLs that they get so hung up on? But there are ways that you can track that. There are ways that you can track that more effectively. And I think that's what we want to dive into today is how do you track the, you know, pre-funnel, pre-sales ready stages? When is that important? And how can you get the data that you're probably looking for, but not having to maybe track it as a stage um, per se. Yeah. So Alison, I'd love you to dig into how you think about the fact that there's two slightly different models here that are answering different questions between these pre-funnel stages, the funnel funnel stages, and how much of this is semantics versus how much of this is actually like, these are two different separate things. We need to think about them differently and being able to actually distinguish between them can help people use them better. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to what Chrissy mentioned being that those pre-sales ready stages are only attained once. And there's a lot of focus on optimizing that new business kind of funnel where you acquire a lead, they become engaged, they become an MQL, they get work they turn into an opportunity, they're close one, now they're a customer. Whereas there's been a greater focus as well in tracking uh, an expansion funnel as well, or, you know, cross-sells mm -hmm. and upsells. And so tracking those pre-funnel stages in an expansion funnel doesn't quite make sense. And so the two different data models that we're talking about is um, the first attainment of each stage on their way to becoming a customer versus when their sales process starts and when it ends and when it starts again and when it ends again and um, being able to optimize once it starts, how quickly is it converting? Where, where are the bottlenecks? And so, yeah, so typically our funnel starts at sales ready or MQL and we're measuring each time someone becomes an MQL and what happens. And so trying to add those pre- sales ready stages into that model doesn't work because it's a one-to-one -one versus a one-to-many. Um, but, you know, we would still, it's still recommended to track like when somebody first becomes engaged and when someone becomes an MQL and even optimizing that. But the way you might optimize that is what are you doing to get those people who maybe downloaded a white paper on your website, but aren't, yet an MQL, what are you doing with those people to try to get them more engaged and raise their hand and measure the effectiveness of those marketing programs? Um, because if you optimize those marketing programs, you'll naturally just see a higher volume of sales ready. And um, that's sort of the way to optimize that. Yeah. So what are some of the downsides to, to calling these stages? Because I mean, what we're trying to kind of articulate that 
you know, when we're talking about our final stages, we want that we want that process to be able to apply to kind of sales process starting for new business, sales process starting for upsell, sales process restarting for either of those. So we want to make sure that those stages are you are able to kind of go through them, you know, multiple times and, and recycle through in different ways. Um, so therefore, calling the pre pre funnel, you know, calling I don't want to even call them stages. So calling the pre funnel, you know, getting that pre funnel data and calling them stages. What what are the risks associated with that, and like what confusion does that generally cause? Do you want to take that one, Xander? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that. It's important to be able to measure conversion rates before it becomes an MQL, because otherwise you potentially have the risk of just throwing in a bunch of people in your database and not doing anything with them. But when you do start to talk about stages, something that I find is that is that people just think about it like, OK, this quarter, I'm going to get this many engaged people. Mm-hmm. Well, well, what about all of the people that are sitting in recycled that you've already spent money to bring on and probably already had them talking with sales and maybe there was something that that caused them to not to want to want to buy? Well, if you're only thinking about these brand new people coming into the database and, and so focused on new, 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 you lose sight of your previous investments. So when you when you have a singular funnel and you're including known and engaged, you're really like it's an interesting data point, but you're kind of excluding the rest of your potential buyers in that model. And so, you know, it can simply be another slide. It can simply be another slide of here's how many new names we got this month. Here's how many recycled people that we brought back into a funnel. Here's how many people that we are, you know, that we got engagement out of because that's really what we're just trying to say is who's interested in us but we haven't been able to get them to raise their hand or do enough to score up um so being able to to measure that you don't necessarily need like a field to do so you can just call it what was my first engagement date my first activity date my first campaign response date like whatever it might be and then leverage that to build out metrics without um you know conflating it with the rest of your funnel that you're trying to measure. I love that. Yeah. What gets what gets measured gets managed, right? And if you're focusing too much on those like being stages and goals around that, then yeah, maybe you're focusing less on 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 what might be arguably more important. Um, I think any one, other risks? I think one kind of like anecdote to that too of like why it's important is kind of mainly around what Allison was talking around the the basically the different funnel journeys that you can have. And when you do have an MQL that gets generated, say, for like a second or third time, you and this is very apparent when you have just a lead and contact method, like you could be then looking at like, say you stamp the engaged date and then you're looking at MQL date and you potentially might be overriding that, like which is has its problems. We talk about that in other past episodes. But then you look at the engaged date versus MQL date and you're like, that took like two years for them to MQL. It's like, no. <laughs> you just overwrote the, the last journey also. But and even if you didn't, if you're trying to compare that, it just isn't right. It just isn't right. You know, so then even if you're tracking that metric, if you're doing it the wrong way, if you're tracking that conversion the wrong way, and you're including all your MQLs compared to that engaged date, like it's always going to look horrible. So um, I think it's a good thing to track just for your first journey for a new business. But when we're talking about the overall method for tracking your funnel, that's why it should start at when they're starting that journey again. 
um, instead of including that previous stage, because otherwise like the data is point like pointless and useless. And it's probably going to give you, make you think that you're operating worse than you are uh, when you look at it that way. Any risks that you see, Alison? In tracking. Um, or any risks or kind of mistakes people make when they're trying to track yeah. these prefrontal stages? I think it's just the, the data model itself. Like, again, the one-to-one versus mm-hmm. one-to-many. And even if you, yeah, even if you are tracking multiple journeys like we have some clients that are overriding the mql date we have others that are creating a new life cycle every time someone mqls but either way those pre pre funnel stages are only attained once so if you're looking at it from the perspective of the third time someone mql'd now your velocity is skewed um so if you really want to track kind of the the funnel to become a new customer, you need a different data model that is one-to-one where you're tracking the first attainment of each stage. Because otherwise, if you're doing the multi-journey, then then don't include those pre-life uh, cycle stages in your model because then it'll skew your velocity, it'll skew your conversion. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put on my devil's advocate hat for a second, because this is a common uh, pushback that I've, I've heard before over the years. Um, I'm sure I know what, people, what, what you all might, might say to this, but I'm, I'm, I'm still curious to see what this might bring up. Why can't, I, why can't someone re-engage? You know, so can we, we were saying that you're only, you can only go through those prefrontal stages once. Um, and I, and I, I agree with that, but I have heard clients ask, well, what happens if they engage, but then it's been a couple of years, can I put them back to not engaged and then can they go to engaged again? Like, I'd love to hear how we, how we would help articulate the value of not doing that and explain kind of like the right path forward. I, I can chime in. Um, so one thing that I have found valuable is, and it's less of, tracking it again as a as a, a reattainment of an engaged stage but at a prior company we had an abm kind of model and most of our target accounts were current customers where we were trying to expand within the account and so one thing that became really important to track is we already had most of our contacts our target market was in our database and so it was less about attaining no unknown to known to engage. It was more about re-engaging our existing database. So one thing that we started to track was how many contacts at our target accounts have not engaged with marketing in six plus months that we got to re-engage. And so it's a different kind of mm-hmm. measurement. It's not a stage attainment, but there are ways to measure that looking at, you know, the campaign history and how long between and and how old the record is. And so it's just kind of a different, again, a different type of report, but still something that that you can get to to understand those folks that haven't engaged and what's take what it what it takes for them to re-engage. Yeah, I think the big important thing here is around like 
there's a difference between a stage and there's a, di- a stage and like engagement data, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you can, it's good to track both, but maybe not conflating the two. What do you think? Zana? We haven't, we haven't gone out to say this, but we have been saying this. And that is when you're trying to answer questions and, in, in marketing, you have to be thinking about what are the data models that I need to build in order, in order to be able to answer that. And your CMO and your, your marketing leaders are probably not asking you for data models. <laughs> They're asking you for answers to their questions. And mm-hmm. as the operations leader and the analyst leader, you have to go back and say, well, where does this fit in either my existing data models or do I need to build something new? Because you can get all of these answers. We're, we are we are identifying different ways that we can answer these questions without it taking the single model that that maybe we are we have focused on so much around funnel tracking or something else. So that's my big takeaway. Like when I'm speaking with clients, I'll I'll talk about, you know, okay, well, we're going to work on a funnel metrics and we're going to work on a process here and engaged isn't going to be a part of that conversation. And then they're immediately like, I I won't have visibility into engaged. It's like, no, that's fine. We can still build a, a data model to get that for you. And we can find a way to to get you a report that's showing that success. And and offering some advice there, but you know, if we're more of a Swiss army knife than a one size fits all sort of capability here, but we have to, we have to build to that and we can't just inherit it from, from a single model. How do you, does anyone here have any advice on how to articulate that, that to leadership? So you you've explained that two different data models we have, um, you know, the 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 remit from from the top is I want to see my final data or I want to get that improved and maybe you've had this conversation around like engaged it's not going to be in the same data model as our funnel but we can report on it differently maybe we have to do that project you know separately after the funnel project like what what are some ways that we've or some ways to explain these differences that are quite kind of abstract and or you have to understand the technical, the, there's the data modeling side, like, you know, how are we going to try and build a representation of reality to help us make decisions? And then there's like, how do we actually build that? Like technically, how do we prioritize that on our roadmap? Like, how have we gone around to, how have we, how have we been able to articulate that well to leadership to try and get them on board with, with the, making this decision to start the funnel that sells ready? Particularly, or maybe even if if, other, if you just have advice and just generally getting this concept across the leadership that you're asking me questions, you know, I need to figure out the right data model to help bring give you that give you that answer. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything really fancy outside of what you just landed at, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes sometimes less is less is more. Right. And and Uh without going into the details of dear CMO, I have to go build out a data model and I have to do this. Like it's important for us to understand that. And and something that we can say is starting with what are those questions that they're trying to answer? We may be able to get them answers to that with our existing infrastructure without like making a big deal out of it. Right. So so maybe just identifying what can we do? And then if we can't do that. If there if there are going to be gaps, then we start to work at building that out into your roadmap and just focusing on what's the priority. I think that most CMOs, especially right now, are trying to figure out how can I optimize things that I'm already delivering to sales and really making sure that that you're prioritizing accordingly um, without losing sight of the other important questions that you may have.
Yeah, I like that. One thing that I would say, but actually I'll pause, Alison. Do you want to, sounds like you want to jump oh, in. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I think one thing that can help too is building an analytics framework and um, with kind mm-hmm. of like your canonical set of dashboards where you're outlining, okay, this these are the questions you can answer with this dashboard. And this is how you go about mm-hmm. finding answers to those questions. And then if there are questions that can't be answered by those dashboards, that's where you can kind of explain like, oh, you know, we can build a data model to do this. Or I know sometimes you need to lightly explain why something's maybe more of a vanity metric. And hey, actually, if we take action upon these more actionable things, I think we'll see, you know, more improvement, more ROI on our investments. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think to that last point, that's so critical. I think everyone has questions and a lot of questions. And if you work at an organization with a lot of marketers and a lot of salespeople and you're the one marketing operations person, you're just inundated with questions. But mm-hmm. what are the outcomes that they're actually trying to get to? What are the actions mm-hmm. that they're trying to have a data-backed action from? Um, and being able to just distinguish between someone's just got a question that's actually not going to lead to action versus someone's got a question they're actually trying to make a decision is a bit of the the magic here because you could get completely bogged down with trying to answer everyone's questions with data and building data models that they're just never going to actually is not going to improve the business. So I think mm-hmm. um, being able to think that one step further when the CMO is coming to you um, with these questions and go, okay, well, maybe even asking them, like, what what are you actually trying to do with this data first? But if they if they are not able to give you a good response, maybe that's a red flag. But also um, trying to think like, okay, what are they actually trying to action from this? And that's going to help you prioritize. Um, so yeah, so Alison, I'd love you to kind of finish us off here with your thoughts on this whole topic. You know, what is kind of the biggest, you know, takeaway here? Like, what is what is the most important aspect of these pre-funnel stages and tracking that you want the audience to to walk away with? Yeah, so I think the the key takeaway from this is your biggest the biggest kind of bang for your buck is gonna be focusing on once someone becomes sales ready and optimizing that journey after that. Um, both from the perspective of your new business funnel, your expansion funnel, cross-sell funnel. Um, and focusing on, on that and where the bottlenecks are, are really going to improve your pipeline, improve your, your revenue. And if you had to focus on one area, that's where we'd recommend focusing. Um, in terms of the pre funnel stages, we still would recommend tracking that it's, it's important to know whether your top of funnel investments are turning into those MQLs, but maybe not necessarily tracking it as a state, but more looking at what are you doing to try to get those folks that have lightly engaged to more heavily engage and raise their hand and then convert. Um, so I'd say that that's, that's the main takeaway today's session. Awesome. <laughs> thank you, Alison. Well, thank you everyone for joining. Uh, we appreciate you listening to another one of our episodes here. If you have any feedback or want to give us a, a like on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast platform you listen on, that would be awesome and much appreciated. Also, if you have any questions, I mean, a lot of these questions uh, 
pretty much coming from what we hear from our clients, what we hear from, you know, people in the community. But if you actually want to be a part of this podcast, you can send us an audio note, you can send us a video, and we'll, we'll probably pick one, a lot of these to really dictate the episode and dictate what we're going to be talking about and play it on the podcast. So if you do have a question, send us it in whatever format that's you know most comfortable for you, and we will tackle the most burning questions um, live on the podcast. So, and to be able to do that, send it to rga at cs2marketing.com. So thank you very much for joining and we'll see you next time.